It's time for episode 353 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast where our tech info is never secondhand. My name is Dan Morin, and I am joined across the internet, sitting in for Micah Sargent, our host emeritus, co-founder of the show. It's Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. Hi, Dan. I guess singing on Clockwise worked, huh? Now I'm uh, now I'm the guest host. Yeah, That's great. well done. <laughs> Good I, to be here. That is the official Highlander-like uh, succession scenario, I believe. <laughs> that's right. That's that's how Micah got the job. That's it's right. Just, he sang. That's right. It's all the singing, and he continues to. This is, of course, the show where we talk tech with two fantastic guests. To my left this week, it's a software engineer and a game developer. It's a frequent guest here, and of course, co-host of Rocket, a neighbor here on Relay FM. It's Brianna Wu. Welcome back, Bri. Let's do it. Let's make a good show. I feel it. All right. All right. And to my left, it's a expert at uh, shortcuts and iOS user automation, Matthew Casanelli. Matt, welcome. Hello. Hello. How's it going? It's good to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. We've assembled our crack crew. So let's kick things off. Uh, it is, of course, beta season in the Apple world. And my question for you folks is, what is your strategy for installing Apple software beta? Do you jump right in with both feet? Do you wait for like a specific beta to roll around? Or are you no betas until official release? Brie, how do you handle this? Well, you know what a careful gal I am. I, of <laughs> course, I, of course, I really do wait. I learned my lesson a long time ago, uh, developing games where it just broke everything. <laughs> Nothing worked whatsoever. Um, but the cool thing is when you're a developer, you end up with, uh, you, you end up with extra machines around, right? So typically what I do is I have my, um, I have my A squad of iOS devices and then I've got my B team. You know, they're older, they're, 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 they're veterans, right? You know, I'll install it on that but on actual production equipment no way well you know dan for me it, it, this is this is our job so I, I i always have that thing where i've got devices that i can st- install betas on for me the big issue is when do i install it on the devices i use for life every day instead of just a test device because the truth is it's very hard to write about this stuff and talk about this stuff if you just kind of like you know I, I used it for 30 minutes and then I went back to my actual computer. Doesn't do the job. You have to kind of dive in. That is probably a month away for me. You know, I, I'm, I'm really hesitant to jump into these early developer and even first public betas, but I know it's going to happen. The good news is the early returns on this, it sounds like it's uh, pretty stable as betas go, um, and that is giving me some encouragement. But anyway, my short term is I've I've dug up some devices to install the betas on now, and then uh, in a month or six weeks or something like that, I'll probably dive in and install it on my, uh, on my existing systems. With my Mac, what I'll do is I'll make a copy of my... Uh, of my boot drive <laughs> and keep that around as an emergency and then i'll install over it um <laughs> <laughs> this is why i asked because i know i know what matt's answer is. um i mean i wasn't really interested in these betas there's not that many features that benefit me so Whatever. i'm just gonna wait until update um no i have them on all my devices except the production machine i learned that lesson last year with my imac which wouldn't launch final cut pro the two weeks before the ios release and I was not able to finish my video and just did it live instead. So learned my lesson that time. But I do have it running on my watch and my phone and my iPad and all that. Did all my 
shortcuts folders goodness because i pretty much had to immediately i was like i cannot wait i've been waiting for that for years so i jump in but also i'm like suffering through slow loading things and stuff like that so yeah i'm doing my due diligence with filing feedback and just kind of dealing with it <laughs> i i like that we kind of run the gamut here though so over, uh, me yeah. i have like a, a strategy that started to work pretty well for me which is i generally install betas usually fairly early on my macbook air and my ipad because those are the machines that are tend to be not as critical for me Uh, and especially now when i'm not going anywhere (laughs) those machines are almost not critical at all for me so i have enough stuff on there where it's like i get the full experience of using those machines every day but at the same time if they decide they're gonna go belly up i'm still okay uh, and then at some point, I will move my iPhone over. Uh, that, for me, might be as early as the public beta, since this first developer beta has been pretty good. Um, but it also could be longer, depending on just how feedback goes around that. And then my iMac is the production machine, and that is going to wait a while. That'll probably be closer to release before I actually go through the the full upgrade on that one. But yeah, I, I, I think everybody's kind of got their different strategies for dealing with all these things. And I think it's it's fun to see how people adapt and react to that we all have different needs and different thresholds of comfort so glad to get your answers on that let us go to our second topic today which comes from brianna so you know with apple silicon we're moving over from an x86 architecture to uh basically macs are going to be running uh the same uh architecture that we have on you know ipad iphone ipad uh all of those things so the question is how is this going to impact the game industry and the games that you get on Mac. And just to give people a little bit of background, nowadays when you go to Steam or, you know, the Mac App Store, the games that you get tend to be, you know, a little bit older. Uh, one game they showed at the uh, in the press conference announcing this was uh, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which is running Unreal Engine 3. Unreal Engine 5 is just about to come out. So uh, I guess my question is, how do you feel about this move and how it's going to impact games? So Jason, please go ahead. I think, uh, you know, Apple has never really truly cared about Mac gaming. It turns out that they care more about iOS gaming. I think what that means for Mac games is that we're about to see a change in what being a Mac game means. Because with Apple Silicon being able to run apps that run on iPhone and iPad, I kind of feel like if you're a, uh, a developer and you want to target an Apple platform with a game, you're targeting... Uh, iOS. You're targeting the iPhone and probably the iPad. Apple just introduced uh, a bunch of new features that allow iPad. Dan wrote about this at Six Colors last week. Uh, iPad games now can have complete uh, keyboard and pointer device control, so you can have a more PC game-like experience on the iPad. Of course, that's also going to work on Macs with Apple Silicon. So I just kind of feel like what we think of as PC games on the Mac um, ported over are going to be, uh, you know, less likely but that uh, the Mac is going to become a platform that can run the same games as iPad and iPhone, and and developers actually target those platforms. I know the games aren't quite the same, but I, I, I kind of feel like that's inevitably where this is going to go. And my hope is that Apple's technology, in terms of their GPU and things like that, is going to be so good that it's actually going to make for a more fun and a better experience if you want to try to play games on your Mac. But if you're relying on you know boot camp to go play PC games, uh, you know that's going to go 
away. And uh, for those, I think there's definitely going to be a class of Mac user who also plays PC games who is going to probably, sadly, end up having to buy a PC to play games. And I, I think that's the truth of it is it's it's more iPad games on Mac going forward. I come from kind of the console side of playing games. And so I'm definitely interested in potentially like not not necessarily five-year-old games like Tomb Raider, but older games coming across, like especially stuff that's moved to Switch. I'd love to see those types of things work on Apple platforms, especially with uh, crossplay is like a major thing now where you can like the newest Call of Duty, whether you're on Xbox or PlayStation or iPad or Mac would be very cool also. Like I incorrectly predicted that Apex Legends, which was one of the first kind of like free to play or not one of the first ones, but a large free to play um, cross platform experience. Like I want to see, I wanted that to come to iPad. So I'm still hoping that Apple's like, Hey, we have console gaming on our devices. PC stuff does tend to take a lot more power. So maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you'll need a Mac pro for some of that stuff or something <laughs> like that, but we'll see. Yeah. I also made the transition. I mean, I used to build gaming PCs and then eventually switched over to the Xbox when it just was more efficient to do that. Um, and I used to play Mac games too, but there, the, like Jason said, the support has always been kind of meager. Uh, a lot of games take a long time to get ported or most don't even make it at all. So uh, I'd never really bothered doing the bootcamp thing to run games. It always seemed like not the best experience either. I'm kind of hopeful about this, honestly. I mean, you know, for whatever reason, uh, iPad and iPhone have proved to be really popular gaming devices. And by bringing that software over, maybe it encourages a little more development um, when stuff's going to run on the Mac too and, and encourages people to take advantage of the uh, the horsepower that the Mac can offer and and stretch things a little bit but i don't know i mean i think certainly the idea that you can create a game that would run on basically all of apple's devices must be more attractive than having to think about whether you can just create a game for the mobile devices or just create a game for the mac um but i i think that the the idea that we're going to move into a world where suddenly all those AAA titles that have been pc and console only make their way to the mac is is probably still a long ways off but I know, Bree, you have a lot of insight on this. So, <laughs> yes, this think? is all just a warm up. Yeah. Well, you know, I think everything you've all said is dead on, especially you said, Jason. Um, I, I, I think this is going to devastate the amount of AAA development that you see on, on Mac. If you like the kind of games that you get on iPad and iOS, Great news. You're about to see a lot of those. Uh, the thing that really struck out to me from the State of the Union was Apple talking about how the advantage to moving to ARM is a single, unified, scalable development stack. So if you're developing games with Apple's tools, great news. This is this means like porting it to iPad, iOS, Apple TV, Mac OS. It's, it's relatively straightforward. What I would really urge people to consider is it's so not it it is tremendously difficult and expensive and time consuming porting to an entirely new architecture. You all brought up the switch, which runs on a Tegra, uh, you know, that's Tegra architecture. People will go and make those ports because there is a audience on Switch that is demonstrated they will pay money for games and it makes it worth all that trouble. Over on Apple, just to be honest, games don't make a lot of money on Mac. 
So I think if you're asking people to do the heavy lifting and, you know, refactor all their code to run, you know, with Apple Metal and make it run in Xcode to say nothing of the fact that the development tools that you need to make the game aren't going to run on Mac at this point of time. Um, it's just a really big ass. So um, I think we're about to see a really big explosion of the balkanization of where you can play games. Yeah. Well, looking forward to it, and it'll be an interesting <laughs> it'll be an interesting world, that's for sure. Yes. All right, that's two topics down, two topics left to go, which of course means it's halftime here at Clockwise, and this week's episode is brought to you by Stackbit. Stackbit offers developer tools that enable inline content editing, live previews of content changes, sharing of real-time previews, and more on their Jamstack site. All of this supports the tools developers already use and doesn't require code changes. That's why Stackbit is a great way to Jamstack. That's a development architecture based on client-side JavaScript, reusable APIs, and pre-built markup. Stackbit lets content editors make changes and preview how they look right on the page so they can know how their changes will impact the page without needing to go through a whole publish and rebuild process. Content editors can also share real-time previews of content changes, and Stackbit works with your existing tools, including your static site generator, your headless CMS, and deployment solutions. Try Stackbit's editing and collaboration features right now via their site builder. Go to stackbit.com and click the Try Now button to create a Jamstack site in just minutes built using modern tools and services like Gatsby, Sanity, Netlify, and GitHub. Once again, create your site today in just minutes at stackbit.com. Our thanks to Stackbit for their support of Clockwise and all of RelayFM. All right, that is halftime. Jason, what do you got for us? Well, I mean, talking about WWDC follow-up again, I was uh, curious, we, we asked about betas, how about Apple Silicon Macs? Will you be among the first in line to buy a Mac with Apple Silicon? Get me that <laughs> brand new architecture right now. Or are you going to wait and see? Are you going to put it off as long as possible? I'm curious what your Apple Silicon Mac buying strategy is going to be. Matt? I think it sort of depends on what exactly they start with. I have an iMac from 2014 that's kind of my main production computer, and it's pretty beefed up, and so I'm trying not to upgrade it as long as humanly possible. So I probably won't immediately switch over right away, but I don't know. I am <laughs> I'm in the market for it as well, especially I've been hitting the the limits of the computer a bit with doing lots and lots of live streaming stuff, so... We'll kind of see there. I'm, I'm. I feel like I'll probably let let other people test this first. I, <laughs> I can do the iPad stuff, but <laughs> maybe not for the Mac. I say inject it directly into my veins. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I, I'm typically not a person to buy the first generation of Apple hardware. That said, I have a MacBook Air here, my 11 inch, which is from 2014. Uh, so it is getting on in years. It's got a bum battery. Like, you know, I'm only saved from upgrading right now by the fact that I never have to go anywhere anymore. Uh, and that, that machine needs to be replaced. It simply does. So I have budgeted, you know, I've had in my budget money for a replacement for that for a while. Uh, like Matt said, though, I'm, I'm kind of curious to see what the, what the first models that they roll out are, because if the first thing is a 13 inch MacBook pro replacement, I mean, that's, that could be substantially bigger and heavier than an 11 inch MacBook air, obviously. And, and I remain convinced that there is some sort of ultralight laptop, um, that this arm switch will enable. So I would love just, you know, a, a version of sort of the 12 inch MacBook or something like that running on Apple Silicon. I think that would be amazing and perfectly suit what I need that machine for. 
but that might not be for another six months to a year. So I don't know. That's going to be the big question is whether or not the form factors that, that come out um, soon are, you know, the things I want or not. And as if I didn't already have another reason to want this year to end as quickly as possible. <laughs> uh, Brianna, <laughs> what about you? Well, can I just tell everyone, I feel great about the $6,000 I spent on my iMac Pro, (laughs) maxed out 14-core machine with maxed out SSD and graphics card. I feel great about this purchase, y'all. No, in all seriousness, uh, I'm going to know a lot more uh, in two weeks. Um, Apple at the State of the Union emphasized that they formed an alliance with uh, Unity. Um, to run on their ARM architecture. They've not said a single word about Unreal except showing how it will work through Rosetta 2. So what I'm waiting, what I'm hoping is that we're going to have a better roadmap for Unreal Engine developers like myself in two weeks as the Unreal Developer Conference comes forward. So, um, you know, if they announce that they are supporting this in a serious way, I will probably go ahead and, um, you know, invest in something to to test this on. Because, you know, that scalable developer stack, that will make it worth my while to port to both platforms, you know, to develop for Mac while I'm there. Um, if they don't, uh, just to be really honest, I'm probably going to skip iOS, um, you know, Mac OS, all of that the next time I make a game. It's just... Um, the, the headaches will not make it worth it. So it's up to Epic, basically. Wow. Um, for me, I'm kind of in a weird place because I, I love my iMac Pro from 2017 that I bought. And I, you know, it's it's the $5,000 model, eight cores and all that's still serving me really well on the desktop. And then my mobile device is not a laptop. It's an iPad Pro. And so for me, I look at this and I'm very interested by it. And I will almost certainly uh, use some of these because I'll probably get them to review them. But in terms of a, an actual purchase, personally, I... I do have, you know, I, I could see myself buying a, a laptop to have an ARM Mac around, and my laptop currently is is a MacBook Air that doesn't get much use at all, and I could see replacing that with this. So I think that that will probably happen, but I think it might take a while. And, you know, the big question is, when are they going to make an ARM Mac that uh, makes me want to replace my iMac Pro, and I suspect that might take a little bit longer. Uh, and it's a two-pronged thing, right? It's not only waiting for it to come out and having it it be faster than the eight-core Xeon processor that I'm using here, but also all the software I, re- I rely on, including some esoteric stuff like audio plugins and streaming software, also needs to uh, run on it. And that's a, an open question for now. So I guess I'm saying wait and see, um, except for professionally where I'm going to want to get my hands on them as soon as possible. Well, this is. I mean, it's a processor transition. This is what happens. Everybody's got a different place and uh, and a different perspective, and that's why I asked. Uh, hey, Matt, it is your turn for the fourth and final clockwise topic. What do you have? So there are new time-based real automation features in the Shortcuts app, and then there's a cool new accessibility feature for double-tapping the back of your phone to activate something. And then I'm also curious if you guys have heard about the if you all have heard about the police shortcut going around that notifies your family and records video. So altogether, I was trying to think of like with these new types of personal features that people can use to do more with their devices, like what is a way that people could automate something that would benefit society as a whole? 
So I hope you brainstormed. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I did. I thought about this a little bit. And I think the thing, I think this is actually somewhat possible, though it depends on, on device capabilities. I would love to have an option for a quick, uh, using maybe that back tap feature that now exists, to do something when I'm walking down the street and I see somebody um, not wearing their mask properly to like airdrop them like an image <laughs> that's like, put your darn mask on, pull it up over Jeez, your nose, yeah. something like that. Yeah, I, I think I need something like that. I really, I would love if there were more proximity-based things that you could do like with that too to just let you know like, oh, you are within six feet of someone else. And that seems like something maybe the, the U1 chip might be able to do eventually and you could automate. But yeah, I, I feel like- <laughs> I gotta say, I'm thinking about all the ways that would be used for abuse. Like you're walking down yeah. the picture and you got a lewd oh yes it would be totally terrible i you i wouldn't i don't think it's automatic necessarily is what i'm saying i just think like (laughs) i would like to just you know i want to be a little passive aggressive about it i thought about making a t-shirt but it seems like if i could just have an airdrop of like one static picture that's just a like a psa (laughs) like here's how to wear your mask i just be i'd be sending that out left and right yeah you want to help people you want to help people um for me um i i really feel Accessibility is something we need to get very serious about. Um, when I ran for Congress for the last uh, few years, um, I really got to know people in the disability community, and we are barely having a conversation about this. And to that end, I, I have a very simple request from Apple when it comes to accessibility. Um, there's a feature you can enable on your iPhone where if you swipe down from the top of the screen with two fingers, it will read whatever's on the page to you. This is so poorly implemented when it when it comes to news articles because the way that they code their paywalls to hide that information from you generally does not play well with the um, the accessibility swipe down to read it to you feature, a feature that I use all the time. New York Times is incredibly buggy with this. Uh, Wall Street Journal is actually the best, believe it or not. Washington Post is bad. Uh, you know, uh, the Atlantic is terrible. Um, and Wired is the worst at this. So what I want to see is either that Apple accessibility team given more power to implement that feature more universally or basically shaming these news organizations which are charging for a, a feature but not coding it through so you can actually use it. For me, I'm going to go with uh, I, what I really like is like a web service that provides up to the minute uh, truth information about various <laughs> topics, sort of like a Snopes-ish web service, so that whenever I'm on social media and I see somebody say something that is um, that is just wrong, it's fantasy, it's it's an imagined thing that doesn't exist in reality, I'd like to run a little out automation that lets me pick the topic put a really quick blast of truth on the clipboard with a link and paste it where I need it to be so I can be that guy. I can be the truth squad because I honestly, on my social media, I am kind of that guy. I'm the one who sends my my uh, family Snopes links and says, uh, that's not true. That never happened. That's made up. Here's a link. So I, I think automating that and spreading truth is a way to uh, help society a little bit. Those are all excellent answers. I might be able to build shortcuts for all three of those things right now. Um, the shame thing, you could totally have it just like sit, get a sound clip. Um, there is a start speak screen action in shortcuts that will activate that feature, Brianna. And then I also have one that is speak article, which will get the body of the article and start speaking it and also like clean up some of that extra stuff. Um and then also the Snopes, a, Snopes doesn't have an API. Google does. 
but you might be able to preload the URL into Snopes. So we'll see with those. I will work on that <laughs> after this. Um, I want to do one. So there's new time-based automations where you can have a shortcut on your phone run at any time of the day without your confirmation, which I, I can't even process still what that means. But what it could mean is that you could send your senators emails all day long, every day, <laughs> constantly, <laughs> or like call them and stuff like that. So that's pretty interesting. Um, and also, I will put in the show notes, I have to check if it's still working, but there is one that lets you call your senator from your uh, zip code right away. So there's like nice. some actually amazing stuff for civic good if you want to do it with shortcuts, which is cool. Excellent. So I will make sure to make those for you guys. <laughs> I appreciate having our own shortcut concierge here. That's that is wonderful. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> All right. That's four topics down. We got just enough time for a bonus topic. But before we get to that, I want to tell you this week's episode of Clockwise is brought to you by The Uptake, a new show on all things tech and community for Microsoft. I know we're all still, you know, wandering around a bit by ourselves, maybe taking walks or maybe staying in our homes. So it can be fun to find new things to occupy yourself while you're doing all those chores around the house that you finally have time to get around to so if you're looking for a new show to listen to the uptake covers topics in the world of tech as well as how to's on professional learning development and community building each episode features members of the tech community the conversations are pretty fun each show has a focused topic a guest interviews local and global community news plus updates on events conferences and more and just so you have an idea what to expect i'll tell you about some of the topics that you might be interested in there on previous shows for example i've talked about personal personal and career growth they discussed imposter syndrome uh, and a topic they call less code more power i was listening to one this morning that was about sketch noting about going to like conference talks and drawing sketches instead of taking notes and i thought it was really interesting because it not only touched on that as a different sort of uh, method and media for communicating these things but also talking about people's own feelings about their artistic abilities and like oh i never really thought i could draw but then i found this outlet in in sketching these notes as i was taking you know writing things down from this presentation so i thought as someone who can't draw that was really cool and interesting so go and listen to it now just search for the uptake wherever you get your podcasts that's u-p-t-a-k-e or just click the link in the show notes uh, our thanks to the uptake and microsoft for the support of the show and all of relay fm all right, bonus topic time. As I said, we're all still uh, probably largely stuck indoors a lot of the time. Uh, what keeps you active these days? What do you do for a little exercise, Bree? I'm I'm worried I'm gonna get judged on this. But, There's no well, judgment. This is just me free. While all of you were just having an absolute blast making fun of that Peloton commercial, I bought one uh, a <laughs> year before. I love my Peloton. I mean, it is freaking amazing. <laughs> like the the instructors on there are part therapist. <laughs> it is it is a is someone who has done marathons and ultra marathons. It is a real legitimate workout. So I am so thankful that I bought this before coronavirus hit us. Because if I hadn't, there's no way you could buy one now without like a six month wait. Yeah, for me, there's uh, one thing that keeps me active these days. Her name is Evie. She's a boxer and she needs oh. to get walked every day. So walking the dog, you know, on uh, on weekdays, it's probably, you know, a couple of miles. And on weekends, it's three or four miles. And that's what we do. And she is the thing that keeps me active because you got to walk the dog and that gets me out of the house. And that's a, a good thing, too. 
Uh, my girlfriend and I have recently started an Apple Watch competition because mm. we were like, how do we kick this into gear? Walking is great, but we want to do more. And she is currently beating me by like 170 <laughs> points. So I'm definitely <laughs> going to go on a walk immediately after this. Nice. My wife and I used to have a recurring one. We would just like restart one every time. But then I think <laughs> after several, several months of that, we got a little tired of it. But we are both trying to like keep active. For me, I go on a walk every day, 30 to 40 minutes. It's really like my only time to get out of the house. I'm not really a runner it's never been my thing i do miss some of like the team sports stuff i used to play but at least i get out and stretch my legs and uh, there's plenty of hills around here for that too all right that brings us to the end of the show all that remains is for us to thank our fantastic guest this week brianna Wu. thank you so much for being here always a pleasure matthew Casanelli. thank you so much for automating everything <laughs> thanks again as always and Jason, thank you so much for sitting in for Micah this oh, week. Of course. Nice to I'm happy back, to. As always. It's, it's all anytime. We will be back next week, but until then, we remind you, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody, is what Micah likes. And we didn't sing during the episode, but Micah loves it when we sing. (laughs)